You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. But I do want to deliver the message the Lord's really laid on our heart this day. And I want to preach it in 1 Corinthians 2, and a while ago, and I don't get into all the things I've said and done, but uh, I was studying out those spirits uh, here in 1 Corinthians, and we see the spirit of man, we see, of course, the spirit of God working in here. We see the spirit of the world later on in Peter, we see the spirit of truth, the spirit of error, and it was run the contrast on the spirit of man. The Lord really just uh, drew me up in this, in this area in verse 13, 14, and 15. So I'll read those verses, and then we'll turn to the book of Proverbs after we read these verses. In verse 13, and not to cut this short, but I do want to just for the sake of time not read a huge portion here, but he said, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. With the Lord's help, I want to preach on this very simple thought tonight of why there's no discernment. Why is there no discernment? The Bible said the natural man, he cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. Over in Proverbs chapter 7, if you turn there with me, I want to look at a contrast just briefly, and then we'll turn several times in the Old Testament and kind of summarize what the Lord has given us. But in Proverbs 7 in verse number 6, here in the Proverbs it's written, for at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones... I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. In that verse is this contrast, a young man who's void of understanding, be yet at the casement of the window is a man who has discerned by seeing. He was looking out the window, and simply by seeing, He was able to make a discerning decision, if you will, concerning a young man. And this is what he discerned. This is a young man void of understanding. The first six chapters of Proverbs, and then continuing on through Proverbs, deals with this matter of understanding. That we would seek after an understanding heart. To understand God, to know understanding, to know wisdom. That God would give us understanding in life. And here he says, I discern, I'm looking, I'm seeing out my window. There's a young man who has, he is void, there's an emptiness. He has no understanding. And he discerned this, he's passing through the street, and here's the phrase, near her corner. There's a woman that is poised and waiting for this young man. A man with discernment knows where that woman is. He's not oblivious to it. And might I say this on the outset, he 
has seen where she lives. He's heard about where she lives. And I'll be honest, with a lady like that, he could probably get in the area and you could probably smell where she lived. Why? Because she's doing everything she can to attract a foolish young man without understanding. He's been able to discern these things. And so he sees this young man going by, in the phrase, her house. It's known where she is. It's known who she is. And by the way, it is known what manner of woman she is. But this young man couldn't understand that. I do say this, he might have made excuse of why it was okay for him to go down that street. He might have justified in his own thinking that I'll be fine down that street. I'll be okay if I go by her house. I've seen other men go by her house and they're fine. But he had no understanding. He didn't understand the snare that waited for him on her street. And so passing in verse 8 to the street near her corner, he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Why? Well, John told us it's because men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. This man says, I discerned this young man under the cover of darkness. Just a fleeting glimpse in the darkness, under the cover of darkness, Help me discern, he's going down to this woman's house, and there she met him. She had the attire of an harlot, and she was subtle of heart. She's loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without, now in the street, and lieth in wait at every corner, so she caught him and kissed him. And with impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me, this day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. But a young man, void of understanding, to him the flattery draws him, the attire of a harlot draws him, the subtlety of heart woos him. Why? He's not spiritual. At best, he's carnal. At best, he's fleshly. In his absolute best condition, he knows who's down there, but he lacks understanding. Had he stopped and talked to a man that had discernment, he could have said, do you think it would be wise for me to go down this street? But he didn't ask. Because he had no understanding. I want you to look at this matter of why, again, there's no discernment today. And I want to go to Genesis 27. And I'm going to go fairly quickly through these with the Lord's help. But I want to look at several instances where the Bible mentions to discern or to be discerning or discernment. And I want you to see the pattern the Bible uses to define this matter of being discerning. In the story here, we're dealing with Jacob. We're dealing with Isaac when Jacob has... The supplanter has come to his father for the blessing. He has stolen, or he is rather looking to steal, his brother's blessing from his father. And the Bible said this of his father Isaac in verse 22. Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, 
But the hands are the hands of Esau. And in verse 23, he says, he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Isaac is of getting of old age. Jacob has deceived him in his age. Jacob has deceived him because he cannot see like he used to see. He cannot feel like he used to feel. Taste, touch, different senses that apply to him being able to make this decision. He realizes something's wrong, but he discerned not that this was Jacob. It was not Esau. The Bible gives us understanding here that he could not use his senses to discern right and wrong. Secondly, if you'll go to Genesis 38 with me, and here it is a little bit later in Genesis, and here again we're talking about discernment in verse 25 of chapter 38 of Genesis. Judah has has gone unto Tamar, his daughter-in-law, who has feigned the harlot, and he's gone unto her, and she says this to him when he is challenging her and challenging whoever has done this evil deed to be burned. And she said this, when she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these? The signet, the bracelet, and the staff. And Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because I gave her not to Sheila, my son, and he knew her again no more. Now, the awfulness of this story, but yet the beautiful picture of grace in this story, is not what I want you to focus on tonight. I want you to look at this matter that Judah was able to discern again by seeing, by feeling, by being acquainted with his signet, his staff. He knew these items were his, but to discern that there had to be evidence to prove to him, oh, this woman is your daughter-in-law and she has played the harlot And yes, indeed, Judah, she is more righteous than you. But he had to discern those matters. He had to look at the situation. He had to analyze the situation. He had to use all of his senses to determine whether or not this woman is telling him the truth. And when the evidence was there, then simply he said, I'm guilty. This is me. It wasn't a hard thing for him to discern when he was honest about what took place. 2 Samuel in chapter 19 And again, I want to use several verses to summarize. I want you to see this in the Bible. The Bible, I believe, runs a theme here with this. Barzillai, of course, has come to the king in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 19. And Barzillai uh, says to King David, who has offered Barzillai so much, he's been faithful. David is trying to show him kindness. And Barzillai, in verse 35, says this, I am this day fourscore years old. And can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my Lord, the King? I want you to see this, and for your older folks here, take comfort in knowing this, and I mean that with all sincerity. You define who's older, I will not lay a boundary. It wasn't because of age that he was not able to discern these things. It was because of his loss of his senses that he could not make discernment 
in his life. And he said this in verse 35. He said, can I discern between good and evil? Can I serve and taste what I eat or what I drink? My taste buds are shot. Could be too much coffee. It could be uh, too much of a bad thing. But with my age, I can no longer taste. And by the way, God gives you those taste buds to discern oftentimes good and bad things. They're not always just for our pleasure. They're there that we can, we can discern when you tell the story about the, the, the poison in the pot. How did they know there was poison in the pot? You can't help but see in that picture. Somebody did a little sampling and said, hey, there's poison in the pot. We didn't see it. We didn't smell it. How, we tasted it. Secondly, not only his taste, but he said this. He said, can I hear the voice of singing men and singing women? I've lost my hearing. I no longer can discern things because my hearing is gone. So Barzillai helps us understand in the scripture that when we talk about discernment, we're talking about things that, facts that we can ascertain, facts that we can accumulate, and the evidence of what those facts point us to. Again, we'll turn, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter 3. I want to turn to several more verses. I want to just establish this and then go to the New Testament with a few verses with the Lord's help. In 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. Solomon is praying and he's asking the Lord, Lord, would you give me an understanding heart? I want to discern between good and bad. Can I say to you, church, the good and the bad, if you will, for just the sake of illustration, let's talk about black and white. There is a huge gap between black and white. Red and yellow, not so much. Blue and green, not so much. Black and white, a huge gap. Discernment is not discerning or trying to figure out which one's black and which one's white. Discernment is involved in trying to figure out what's in between. It's those gray things, if you will. It's those things that we don't always understand because the Bible says thou shalt not or doesn't say thou shalt not. And we go, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, so how is this wrong? It is the line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Why? That we may be fall back, be taken and snared. God gives us discernment that we can know those areas that really, listen, we may not all even be on the same page about those things, but God wants us to see, listen, I've drawn the line. And by the way, God has drawn a line. There's no gray areas with God. The gray areas are in our thinking. The gray areas are the things that we're trying to either justify or maybe we really don't understand. We might be confused about them. And we're saying, well, I don't fully understand this. I don't fully grasp this thing over here. And it's not in black and white. I don't see a commandment concerning it. And so how do I make this decision? How do I make this choice? I had a family one time, and, and just bear with me on this. I had a family one time, and I was sitting there talking to the family as, as a whole, a very large family. And uh, I kind of baited them because of the course of conversation. And so I just asked them a simple question. Let me finish before you get mad one way or the other. I said, is television wicked? Immediately, they all said, yes. I said, what if it's unplugged? And they're kind of confused. And they go, well, yes. 
I said, what if there's nothing on it? And they kind of, they had that confusion. And then finally I said, what if Proverbs was on the television? This television's still wicked. Now listen, I'm not condoning, I'm not condemning. I'm just using an illustration to understand. Immediately it's like, we're going to jump into this. It's wicked and we're done with it. And by the way, you can fill in the blank with anything that you know you want to you wanna, to say, this is my little pet peeve, this is my little, my little thing that I'm against, or this is something big that I'm against, or this is something the church stands against. But you and I have to make those decisions in our life. And we have to make it based on the evidence that's there, the proof that's there. I finally, through perseverance, tried to convince them, listen, it's not just this black and white thing that you just go around uh, touting the spirituality to just condemn, but rather that you use a reasonable thinking that God has given you. Make that determination. Use some discernment to understand those things. Yet so many people are snared in their own thinking. So many people are snared in their own conceits because they do not have discernment to understand. Can I say this? A lot of people have discernment to understand that we're not on the same spiritual plane. We're not all on the same spiritual level. And can I say to you, if I wanted you to be on my spiritual level with me, then I would probably have to step up to where you are. But I'm not going to preach it that way. If I preach it, I'm going to preach that you have to come up to the level that I'm at. You have to attain my level of spirituality, but the reality is I'd have to come up to where you are. But most of us don't esteem others higher than ourselves, do we? Even though the Bible commands us to. Discernment is given to us. God will give us discernment when we have an understanding heart. When we're willing to understand the things of God and be honest with the things of God and that God can shine the light in things in our life. Again, not to discern black and white. We know that thou shalt not. We know thou shalt. But it's finding those things that we just honestly cannot settle in our hearts. God can give us discernment. He'll give it to us for our families. He'll give it to us for our homes. He'll give it to us for our children. Because of having a newborn, we are, I'm just full of baby illustrations. Amen. And my brother-in-law texted me one day. He said, brother, he said, there's a hundred preaching illustrations in the bottom of a dirty diaper. And I'm full of all these preaching illustrations, but one of the keys to my wife and I is trying to figure out what's really wrong with the baby. And I've come to this understanding, usually nothing is wrong with the baby. I don't want to point fingers at my wife because it wouldn't be fair, but three to one over her, over her husband, you know, what's wrong with the baby? But every once in a while, her husband would go, honey, something's wrong with the baby. And she'll go, nothing's wrong with the baby. Well, I don't understand this child. She's still confusing me. And by the way, we're just starting out. God, help us. Please pray for us. we got a long way to go. She's not even a teenager yet, and we don't understand her. Amen, teenagers. Help me out there. Job chapter 6, if you would, Job chapter 6, and look at verse 30. Just a couple more groundwork verses, if you would. <clears throat> Job, again, gives us the idea of the sensory perception when it says this, is there, an iniquity, is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? Ezekiel chapter 44. If you don't catch up, that's okay. I'm just going to read these verses quickly and move on. Ezekiel 44 and verse 23 
The Bible says they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. There the Lord begins to show us a little uh, more narrowly, if you will. He shows us that these things are that we can see the difference between holy and profane. Profanity being that thing that defiles that which is holy. Example, simply this, the Lord's name is holy. The Lord Jesus Christ, his name is holy. The Lord God of heaven, his name is holy. The Holy Ghost's name is holy. But yet men profane it by making it an unholy thing, by making it words of simply exclamation, words of anger, words of frustration. Profanity in so many areas where things could be holy and things could be clean and things could, the marriage bed is undefiled before God. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. They take that which is holy, what God has consecrated, what God has put together, and they make it profane. And they talk about it, which is profane. And they spill the secrets, which is profane. That which is holy has become common today. That which is godly has become uh, so whimsical to people that they just speak out of turn. And there seems like nothing is holy anymore. Everything is just profane and simplistic. But the Lord said, I'm going to teach these people the difference between holy and profane. And then he said this, cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. One of the reasons the law of God is still perfect and is still converting the soul, it is still the schoolmaster, is because the law of God, listen, it's not just the Ten Commandments, but I believe part of the law of God that brings sinners to repentance is when he deals with uncleanness. We live in an unclean generation. And I'm not talking about the laws of cleanliness, of washing your hands and bathing and the laws of purification. No, the Bible said that the marriage bed is undefiled before God. A woman no longer is set apart for a time of purification. A man no longer has to set himself till the evening hour and wash himself with water because of uncleanness. God has, has purified the marriage bed. God has cleansed the marriage bed. God has made it a holy thing. God has made it for our benefit that a marriage can come together and consummate in holiness and godliness. And God made it so. But the whoremonger and the adulterer are unclean. They cannot read the law of God without seeing the uncleanness of adultery, without seeing the uncleanness of fornication, without seeing the uncleanness and, and the sin against their own body in what's become commonplace in America today. Pastors, Sunday school teachers, choir members, deacons, Young people caught up in adultery and fornication. I've been in ministry now, saved 21 years, and I've seen hundreds, I said hundreds, caught up in uncleanness. And that man that commits adultery, according to the Proverbs, that scourge, that reproach is never taken away. 
The Lord God can forgive and he'll forgive unto the uttermost. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin, but the reproach of the adulterer is still there. We live in strange days. A pastor friend of mine called me one time and he asked me this, and I'll just use a quick illustration. He said, brother, do you deal with situations that you can't even find in the Bible? And I just stopped and think. I said, you know, actually I do, brother. And this is the situation I'm going to tell you. I'm going to just lay out what he told me on the phone. He said, I got a young lady in my church. Her husband is in the military 2,000 miles away. He's basically abandoned her and the two children, which are by two different men. Well, rather, one was his, and then one was from, from a previous relationship before she got married. He said, the husband has abandoned her. He said, she has taken up with a man in town, and they're living together, and they've come to me for counsel because they want to be married. And he said, brother, I know every preacher man I know would pound the pulpit and say, you can't marry him, you can't marry him, it's against God, they're committing adultery. He said, brother, he said, they've been living together for two and a half years, they've been living together. He said, they're already in adultery. He said, where do you find counsel in the Bible? And I, you know, the great Christian I am, I stammered and stuttered. And, 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 and again, he said, find that in the Bible, brother, where a man abandons his family and she takes up with another man. And they're living in adultery and they want to get married. He said, what do I do? I said, brother, I have no idea. I said, I don't know what to tell you. He finally sent him down to the justice of the peace. He didn't know what else to do. We live in confusing days because there's just no discernment. Things that used to be clean are now unclean. Things that used to be holy are now profane. We used to have a holy Bible. And now men profane it. You say, how do they do that? Because they take it and they twist it and they say, no, this is what it's really saying. Independent Baptist preachers getting tattoos. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm the new guy. You're not supposed to meddle in stuff like that. Sorry. This, let me not, no, I won't talk about that. You know, the, the independent Baptists living together. Yet nothing's done in the house of God. And there's no discipline. There's no dealing with them. I had a pastor ask him one time. He said, brother, he said, I got an usher in the church here. He's the former pastor's grandson. He said, every week he comes in with a new tattoo. What do you do? I said, obey the Bible. He said, well, he goes, the Bible, really? I can't find any scripture that's really dead against it. And I said, if you read the Bible, you could. What do you think the markings in the flesh, the cuttings in the flesh are about? What do you think the Bible's talking about here? It's become, listen, and if you got a tattoo, don't you get mad at this preacher for telling you the truth. I know safe folks that had tattoos before they got saved, and they're ashamed of them. Don't get all mad at this preacher just because he tells you the truth. I'm talking about people that name the name of Christ, going out and committing, committing deeds against their flesh and against their own bodies and fornications and adulteries, addicted to pornography. Yet they come in the house of God and act like nothing's wrong. They come to church and act like nothing's wrong. We're in an unclean and an untober generation that needs discernment from God. We need discernment. Holy, profane, clean, unclean. Great contrast. 
I want you to turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. I really did have a guy told me one time, he said, brother, when you go into church the first time, he said, he said, you need to, you know, just kind of tone it down and make sure you get invited back again. And I said, well, I haven't seen that in the Bible yet, so we're just going to go ahead and tell the truth. Amen. <laughs> if I see that in the Bible, then, you know, we might tone it down a little bit. Hey, we're just the way we are at home, the way we are on the road. This is how we live. It'll help you if you listen. To help you listen. And by the way, a lot of times an evangelist comes in, he's just repeating the same thing over and over and over the pastor's been saying for all those years. You know what it does? It just drives the nail home. Just trying to be a help, trying to be a blessing. Unclean and clean, completely on the opposite ends of the scale. It's not a gray area. You either have children, you say, Did you wash your hands? Yes. Did you use soap? Yes. Did you rinse the soap off? Yes. Did you dry them with a towel? Yes. Why are your hands still dirty? I don't know. Can you imagine coming to the Lord like that? What do you say? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Why did he say that? Because spiritually, I think a lot of folks are coming to him with filthy hands. They're holding out their hands for mercy, but their hands are filthy because of hidden sin and secret sin because they have no discernment with God. Here in Hebrews chapter 5, I'm just going to read one verse in verse 14. He said, but strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I can't help but think that the reason we've lost discernment is some of the aged folk that should be on strong meat are still on milk. I testified at my grandfather's funeral, and I told the folks there, I said, my grandparents were always bigger than life to me. They were grandparents. That means they spoiled us and they sent us home. They loved us and then they sent us home. They didn't raise us, but they didn't ruin us either. My grandmother was what a grandmother was supposed to be. An aged woman, by reason of use, exercised her senses to discern good and evil. I remember her correcting my sisters on what they would wear in her house. My grandfather, I remember, and when my adult mother and her adult aunt were at the house, my grandfather correcting them, saying, I didn't teach you to wear that. Why? He was exercising his senses because he, by reason of age, had used those senses and knew to discern good and evil. It's what a grandfather should have been, what a grandmother should have been. What I desire in my life to be not only as a father, but maybe someday if the Lord would give me long enough life to be as a grandfather, to exercise my senses, to discern good and evil, to use the senses God gave me, that I could touch things and know good and evil. No, listen, it's not just hot and cold. It's not just does it prick, does, is it soft, is it rough, is it coarse. No, 
and to discern good and evil through touch. My sight, using my vision to see things. Is this good? Is this evil? It doesn't take a genius a lot of times just to look and say, hey, there's something wrong with this. You say, how simple is it? I looked out the casement of my window and I beheld a young man void of understanding. All it took was a look. And he rightfully discerned that young man's in trouble. All it takes sometimes is just a listen. You can just hear and say, you know what? Something's wrong with that. What is this bleeding to the sheep, lowing to the oxen that I hear? How did Samuel discern that? With his ears. You see, something doesn't sound right. You, the cook, you understand just by the simple taste, you can know when something's wrong. Again, a very simple illustration, but sour milk, there's no gray area. When milk turns, it's turned. There's no, I think this isn't quite right. It's either spit it out or drink it. There's nothing in between. How do you discern that? You taste it. And the Lord's saying here, we have a generation, we have people that by age, Because of their age, they should have been using their senses to discern good and evil, but rather they're on milk. They cannot discern good and evil, and I believe the reason why they're using their senses strictly for pleasure. I'll just rat some folks out. I've been sitting in church, watch one of those hip swishers walking down the aisle doesn't take a genius to go something's wrong with that that's not right but you'd be shocked how many men get elbow in their ribs because they just turn and look a little bit hope we're doing okay rather than use their senses to discern evil by the way that is evil trying to attract a man with your figure with your body with your shape with your appearance there's nothing good comes out of that the bible says she was an attire of a harlot subtle of heart impudent But rather than try to discern that, we're in a day now when men use that as an occasion to lust. Rather than use their eyes to discern evil, they use it as an occasion to look and to enjoy. As the days of Noah were, men were, what were they doing? Eating, drinking, making merry. What is this generation about? Food, drink, having a good time, sport. By the way, as the days of Noah were, such are the days that come to the Son of Man be. Everything today is about food, drink, entertainment, food, drink, entertainment, pleasure. Why? Because we're exercising our senses not to discern good and evil, but for our own pleasure. So the Hebrews tells us, go back a chapter, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, and you know it well. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Why don't people read their Bible? I'll tell you why, because it cuts deep. It discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now I want you to notice this, it doesn't say the actions. It says the thoughts and the intents. Have you ever really been tempted in something and made up your mind to do it? And then said, you know what, let me go get the Bible and just make sure that what I'm going to do is the right thing to do. No, 
I doubt there's anybody here that's ever been so spiritual. Temptation, you've made up your mind. That's it. I'm doing it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm doing it. It's done. It's finished. But let me check with God first. No, it's to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So why don't people read the Bible? Because they don't want discernment. Because to have discernment, God has to discern us. To separate the profane and the holy in, our, in, in people's lives, God's going to have to separate the profane and the holy in our life. God's going to have to separate the clean and the unclean in our life, in our thinking. We're in a day when people don't even think right. Their thinking is so messed up. You can't even have reasonable conversations with people. I talk about this often. I'm not trying to be derogatory, but I talk about this generation is so doped up legally and illegally, both, that you go to the grocery store and people just walk right in front of you, no concept that you're standing there. People lean over in front of you. They run into you with a grocery cart. They'll almost run into you with a car. They're oblivious to everything around them. There's no discernment. Back to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The word of God tells us simply this. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. But they are spiritually discerned. Can I say it's not just with our physical eyes, it's not just with our physical ears, it's not just with our physical touch, taste, smell. But it's with our spiritual eyes. It's with our spiritual ears. We are not exercising our spiritual seeing. We are not exercising our spiritual hearing. We're in a day when men and women do not exercise the things of the Spirit of God in their life. These things are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? The day you got saved, all these things just flooded your soul and you knew all of these things. No, it's a process of growing in Jesus Christ. Whereas you grow in Christ and you see things physically, you hear things physically, you separate from ungodliness, you separate from uncleanness, you separate from profane things, you draw closer to God, be holy as I am holy, and you get closer to the Lord, and God opens your spiritual eyes to see things and to hear things and to know things. It might be nobody else in the world knows those things, but God has revealed them to you by His Spirit. Let me just, before you call me a Pentecostal, and He always lines up this book always and people say well I just don't see that it could be you've not exercised your senses it could be you're not exercising your spiritual senses it could be you're just refusing to see what's really there I think you'll tell me you know well so and so you know he's He's such a good boy. And I just shake my head. Who are you talking about? Oh, she's such a nice girl. I'm like, who? I'm cynical. Bear with me on that, okay? Those of you that aren't cynical, just, you can just tune this out. It's like, you cynical folks, you can get plugged in on this, okay? Amen. Who in the world are you talking about? Who's a nice person? This guy's a jerk. Oh, but he has such a good heart. There's a girl at our church, I rebuke her all the time. 
She'll say about so-and-so, oh, he has a good heart. I'm like, oh, no, he does not. He has a desperately wicked heart above all else, just like everybody else does. She gets kind of frustrated with me. That's okay. She knows we love her. Oh, he's such a good person. Grandma, grandpa, you might want to open your eyes to what your grandchildren really are. That's not a reproof. It's a little correction. I fooled a lot of people, but I promise you this, I didn't fool my grandpa. So I drove 2,600 miles to say goodbye. Let folks know I didn't fool grandpa. But I see a lot of people fooling grandpa. I see a lot of people fooling grandma. Because they just will not look with spiritual eyes. And they cannot discern the things that are of God. How's your discernment? What are you using your senses for? One of the most mind-numbing, just absolute mind-deadening things in life is one of the most sensory-loading devices ever created. And it's this. It's called a video game. Sound, sight, sound, movement, bright lights, fast action, boom, power, weird science fiction. It's just, it's like a sensory overload. But then I watch a young man void of understanding. He leaves that environment where his senses are overloaded with all of this phony, uh, make-believe world that he lives in. And I watch that young man walk out into a real world and he's like a zombie. Because without that sensory overload, that game, he doesn't see things real for what they are. I see a lot of folks that have sensory overload in a lot of areas. But then when it comes to spiritual things, it's just like zombies. They have no clue what the preacher's talking about. Why? Because all they've done is they've loaded their senses on me, 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 me. Pleasure. Church, the Lord sent us here for one thing tonight. Just try to wake some folks up. Judge rightly where we are concerning this matter of having discernment. Are we discerning good and evil? Are we discerning clean and unclean? Or are we just like zombies walking through this world? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.